Lent, as Pastor Herb explained, is a solemn season in the liturgical year. It is a 40-day observance, beginning with Ash Wednesday and continuing to Easter in commemoration of Jesus Christ's 40-day fast in the desert and temptation by Satan. And because of this, Lent is regarded as a season of special penitence and preparation by which we soberly consider our sin and purposefully seek repentance and justification by faith. A common tradition that Christians have employed throughout the history of the church to thoughtfully consider sin has been the practice of fasting. One of the earliest pieces of spiritual literature that is available to us from church antiquity is known as the Didache. And according to this document, the early church fasted twice every week on Wednesdays and Fridays. And the Didache explains that this practice of fasting was to be accompanied by fervent prayer and giving to the poor. So, for example, if your family was fasting on Wednesday and Friday, then it was custom to take the money that you would have spent on those six meals and distribute it to widows and orphans. The biblical motivation for this type of fasting was to practically and frequently expose one's proclivity to sinfully take the gifts of God and corrupt them by turning them into idols. The human heart often takes that which is good and uses it for evil. Gifts like food and alcohol, money and sex are easily warped and inappropriately regarded as ultimate sources of sustenance, comfort, and joy. The early church understood this human tendency and therefore regularly fasted as a way of rightly ordering their affections and desires. Their motivation for fasting was ultimately a desire to forsake the immoral practice of worshiping the created gifts rather than the creator. This theological practice within the early church was developed from two main biblical texts, which were both read in our lessons just a few minutes ago. The first source was Isaiah 58, and the second source was Jesus's teaching recorded in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to make some points from that portion of Scripture. From this chapter, we see why the early church grouped almsgiving, prayer, and fasting together. It was Jesus who first related these three practices categorically. And he did this in verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16. These three verses are all tied together by shared literary structure as Jesus began each saying with the words, when you, when you give to the needy, 
when you pray and when you fast. In verse 1, we see that all three of these spiritual disciplines are good and righteous and therefore fitting to be practiced in the Christian life. Furthermore, Jesus' words demonstrate that there is an assumption that God's people would employ these spiritual disciplines. However, with that being said, Jesus warns that our motivation for giving to the needy, for praying and fasting, should not be for the sake of other people's praises or the sake of trying to procure our own righteousness, especially by means of comparison. Instead, these practices should be employed as a means of spiritual formation and worship. So with that being said, let's consider some practical reasons for why it is fitting for us as Christians here at All Saints Church to devote ourselves to giving away our money, devoting ourselves to fervent prayer, and devoting ourselves to fasting. Number one, practical motivations for giving to the needy. Giving our money to those in need above and beyond our tithe during the Lenten season is a practical way to remind ourselves that God is the ultimate source of our financial provision. Furthermore, giving our money away to those in need is a means of cutting away the idolatrous place money can easily take up within the human heart. In other words, giving money away to those in need is a practical way of mortifying the flesh. If your heart is prone to serve money rather than worshiping God who provides for you, then maybe you should consider giving some money away this Lenten season. Practical way of doing this would be to contact our deacons and ask them if there are any known financial needs. At various points within the year, people will ask our church for financial assistance. So perhaps you can be a means of provision for someone who is in need while at the same time teaching your own heart that money is not your God. Second practical motivation for fervent prayer. It would be theologically acceptable to understand Jesus' words on prayer here in Matthew chapter 6 as being directed toward those who have a rich daily prayer life. That would be an acceptable interpretation. However, Given the command in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 24, I don't think it is wrong to understand Jesus's words as being directed toward a mosaic tradition in which married couples devoted themselves to prayer during a season of self-denial within marriage intimacy. This interpretation is affirmed by the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, in which he says the following, Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This 
exegetical interpretation that Jesus is talking about devotion to prayer as a as a replacement to intimacy within marriage for a time is not only affirmed by the Apostle Paul's words, which seem to be his interpretation of Jesus's words, but Jesus's words in Matthew chapter 6 seem to also suggest this. In verse 6, Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Essentially, he is saying, if you are replacing the intimacy between a husband and wife with a time of devoted prayer, take your prayer out of the public square where it doesn't belong and bring it back to the bedroom. In the same way that marital intimacy is to be kept confidential, so the very thing that is replacing it for a time, that being devoted prayer, should also be kept private. And with that being said, the motivation for abstaining for a time and the in the place of intimacy, that being devoting oneself to prayer, the motivation for that is to rid one's heart of idolatry particularly by self-denial. In this, one is reminded that the endorphins which are released in the moments of romantic intimacy are not the ultimate source of joy. They are not the ultimate source of pleasure. Instead, by fervent prayer, the heart learns that in God's presence there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. This Lenten season, if you find yourself in a place where God has called you or led you to a time of mutual agreement in which you will deny yourself of marital intimacy, maybe for health reasons or because of physical geographical distance between you and your spouse, whatever the case may be, if you are in that boat, in that scenario, then use this experience to devote yourself to prayer, and to train your heart that God is your ultimate source of delight. This would be a second motivation. Finally, the, the third motivation for practically fasting is this. Food occupies a prevalent thread throughout the historical and redemptive narrative. In the Garden of Eden, food is central to the covenant of creation. In the wilderness, God demonstrated his love and power through the provision of manna. The new covenant is renewed weekly through a meal. And as a means of consummating his kingdom, Christ will have a wedding feast. While food is God's gift to us, in which we experience his love and provision, the abundance of food can easily become a quick way to forget God. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul explains that the enemies of Christ are marked by their love for food. He says the following, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Ultimately, a love for food is associated with a love for temporary or earthly things. 
if one's belly is their God, it means that their nature as a consumer, and not just for food, but their nature as a consumer is their ultimate delight. In other words, the enemies of Christ, as described here in Philippians chapter 3, are those who have taken the good gifts of food and wine and turned them into idols. With that being said, fasting from food is a practical way to teach your heart that God himself is your ultimate source of sustenance. Fasting ultimately informs our minds and hearts that man cannot live by bread alone. Therefore, this Lenten season, if you find yourself prone to indulge in food and drink, then maybe you should teach your heart to abstain and to fast so that you might realize that God is your sustenance. With all that being said, this Ash Wednesday, it is good and right to employ the spiritual disciplines of giving to the need, devoting yourself to a time of prayer and fasting. However, it is important to do these things for the right reasons. The right reasons to engage in fasting and abstaining from food and perhaps other things as well. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's video games. Whatever the case may be, the reason to abstain and to fast and to give up is so that you might mortify your flesh and kill the idols of your heart that have taken the gifts of God, the very good things, and warped them into idols. This Ash Wednesday, it is good and right for you to engage in spiritual formation. Do it for the right reasons. Do not employ these spiritual disciplines for the wrong reasons. Don't engage in fasting and giving things up and abstaining to procure public praise from other people or to gain self-affirmation or worse, to try and justify yourself before God through your fasting or Try and elevate yourself by comparing your fast to someone else's fast. Again, the motivation for fasting, for abstaining, for self-denial this Lenten season is for you to mortify the flesh and kill the idols of your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.